Oh, Peter, what, what, what were you what were you saying last week about wanting to go and then being stopped by the energies of society? It's you literally foot on the gas, foot on the brake. The foot was all over the gas and the brake, and it was all out of my control this week. And you know what, Peter? I have found a magical, a, a magical way of dealing with these things. Uh, and I don't even think it's stoicism anymore. I think it's just uh, you become the wind. Like Minoru Suzuki says, Kaze ninare, be like the wind. It just flows through me. And I think you'll find on this journey that uh, with all good faith attempts, uh, we did not make it. But we did have a <laughs> really weird weekend still where I was in. I'm going to adjust this mic just a little, just for my own brain. Uh, it was a lot of New Jersey, and I love New Jersey, most of New Jersey. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm usually a person, I don't mind Wawa, but it got to the point this weekend where I'd only been eating from Wawa, and I had started just eating rice and beans from Wawa. They'll just put white rice and black beans in a bowl and serve it to you. Oh, my God. I felt it was a... I felt light, Peter, but let's go all the way back because this weekend started with a Thursday night match, which usually not a Thursday guy all the time, but sometimes it works out. It did work out. A first time matchup between Mbusse and the Kirks. And if people haven't figured it out yet, I explained it to Allie. The way I talk about fighting Bussy, our tag team, Allie Catch, Effie, the GCW Tag Team Champions, the way I discuss it is I just discuss it like a couple having that conversation for the first time about doing the other thing. You know what I mean? So it's like if the Kirks are fighting Bussy, uh, they may be a powerful team. They may work together. They may uh, know each other's strengths and weaknesses. But if both partners are not on the same page to deal with Bussy, someone might not enjoy themselves. And sometimes Bussy is worse for one than the other, but if they can come together, it can actually be pretty enjoyable. But a lot of times we see that this is the big question, the question of Bussy, whether or not they can handle their emotional toil. We were victorious. But I have to get into this match because I've noticed something. People always say, oh, Effie, oh, Allie, have you not noticed that when Effie chooses to kiss someone in the match, you guys lose? And here's the thing. We have noticed this. And if you pay attention to the match versus the Kirks, when Brandon Kirk finally decides to uh, build into my weakness and try to kiss me, you know what I did, Peter? I blocked the hell out of that kiss. I blocked that kiss and I pushed him away. And then I realized, you know what? If he wants it so bad, let's give it to him. And I used the kiss to my advantage, knowing full well that I was not going to be falling for it. And I rolled his ass up and kept my belts. Now, Peter, it was a new moon this week. And I have a new appearance. I have gotten rid of my Anakin Skywalker braid. And we could get into the metaphor of this. We could really discuss what it means, but I'll tell you what it means. It means that Anakin's hitting episode three, and it's about to get dark as fuck. Because I was fired up all weekend about being Effie and what Effie is, uh, what Effie deserves. And now, as I have freed myself of these chains, Peter, I have a handsome Hollywood Sith haircut. To, get, to kick off this 
uh, end of Pride celebration as we enter Gay Wrath. You, oh, you're like a pretty big Star Wars fan. Someone told me the other day that in every relationship, there's a Pokemon person and a Star Wars person. And you can guess with ours, I'm not the Pokemon person. <laughs> AJ owns every single game. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And metaphorically, I wasn't going to decide when this was coming off. If Jeff Jarrett was not going to be a part of it, I was going to beat his ass and then I was going to cut my braid off. But with that seemingly behind me at this point, I had to just do the deed on my own. And much like Anakin, sometimes the elders don't give you what you need and you got to go take it for yourself. Now, I'm not suggesting that we kill the younglings. That's not what I'm saying. That's what Anakin did. But when Jeff Jarrett refused to grant me the rank of master from his Jedi Council, I became a master on my own. And if that means I've got to lose all my limbs and become uh, Darth Effie, then so be it. But I will get what's mine and I will continue to destroy what is in front of me. So please be careful. I may bring the purple jacket back out. Have I told you how I experienced Star Wars as a young child growing up in Africa? I don't know if I've gotten the full tale, but uh, I... So my dad used to tell me Star Wars is a bedtime story. Like he would just orally account... Just what, remembering, like, yeah, 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 I saw yeah. Star Wars. So it was very different by the time that I actually saw the movies. And I'm like, I hate to admit it, but I'm kind of not a fan because the version that I was told and the one I imagined in my head was so different that, like, it was a little off-putting by the time. It was like, so he doesn't walk on clouds. He's not a literal... Like, I didn't Skywalker. get the Skywalker thing. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, well, okay, I get it. It's, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, uh, with all of the lore and the backstory and the extra characters and now the TV series, what you do have to remember is like, at one point, George Lucas was just like, I made a movie about space and kind of like, people were like, we, we love it. What else? And he's like, there's a whole plan. Don't worry. And so the sort of retcon of the films is ignored a lot of times by the fans, but it is just a film. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, and what I kind of mean by that is like, it's an hour and a half or two hours of, of permanent information that now has built this lore that, I mean, even inspired your dad to tell the story. Like it was uh, part of our human mythos, you know? So what I've got to understand is like, I remember seeing the old star Wars for the first time uh, during a hurricane in North Carolina oh, when shit. I was living there. My mother had rented them. We were going to be stuck in the house. She said, I hope the power stays on. And then when I was nine years old, the first Phantom Menace came out. So seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, with that cool braid lead a child to be a sick Jedi, I don't know, I think it was just at a formative time where it just sticks with you. I didn't realize it was a bad movie until I became an adult. It's not a bad movie. I'm sick to my stomach, Peter. Don't let anyone say that. Old haters want to be old haters, okay? It's just like people nowadays are like, Gen Z on TikTok, what are they doing? Well, they're doing what's new and what's now. And if you're not ready to get with it and ready to be a part of the new generation, then we don't need you. You got to be ready for everything. Adaptation is the key to all of this, Peter. I had to adapt a lot this weekend. Now, I don't want to jump over it. We were at the H2O Center and that first match against the Kirks, I was feeling it. I was pumped and I knew I had to come back to the same building. This is what's strange is my plan at this time was New Jersey to Denver to New Jersey and then back home to Alabama. The only thing that came to fruition was New Jersey, and I'll explain why. After the match, I ended up uh, hanging out with Jimmy Lloyd for a while. We went to Jimmy's house. Shout out to Jimmy's parents, which are actually on vacation right now, vibing. They're having fun. I love that for them. Uh, Jimmy was helping them get the rental car set up and get things worked together, so very 
very good work from young James Lloyd, who I got the I got the full story of Jimmy Lloyd more from his mom this time. And what I love is Jimmy Lloyd was in a movie with Robert De Niro. I think we may have discussed that before. I think so. We're going to watch it. I found the VOD finally. Oh, I found perfect. his profile. And I said, you know, Mrs. Jimmy Lloyd's mom, why didn't he continue on this path? And she goes, well, he did. And I kept taking him to auditions and they loved him. But he was already such a Hollywood boy that he was like, okay, can we get this audition over with? I'm trying to go get a snack. I'm trying to go do other things. Like, I know you love me. And I think that Jimmy just had such skill with it that it was boring to him. And that's why he moved away from it and became a deathmatch wrestler. So I think there's a balance you can find between being a Hollywood somebody and a deathmatch wrestler. You know, it's uh, Mickey Rourke tried it for a minute. We'll talk about that movie in a second. Uh, But Jimmy said, look, I got you on this. We're going to get you to the airport on time. It's going to work out. And... Then I get a text message, and they have just canceled our flight. They've canceled, not the whole flight, but just the flight to Chicago. So I couldn't get to Chicago to get to Denver, which, you know, you do what you got to do. But they said, hey, if you could go to the desk when they open at 4 a.m., you might be able to get standby. And normally, like this is, it's a lost cause, right? But I say, you know what? Lucha Libre and Laughs in Denver, Colorado has always treated me extremely well. They've always put me up in nice places, fed me, paid me well, given me the best fan experience. I'm going to give it a go. I'm already up. I've got Jimmy. Jimmy, let's give it a go. So we go to the airport. They give me the standby ticket. They said, okay, we can get you on this flight. It's at nine. I said, fine. I didn't want to leave the airport at that point, but we had a little time to kill. So I said, Jimmy, what's the what's the early morning 5 a.m. Philly tour we can do where I can be a little bit of a tourist? And he goes... I got you. We're going to go get a Philly breakfast and we're going to go see the 2300 arena, which the 2300 arena in Philadelphia was the home of ECW. It's been the home of a lot of shows. It's a wrestling Mecca, if you will, uh, for people that have gone through it, whether it be independent or not, you know, most people have gone through the 2300 building. Effie has never wrestled there. So I've never even been there. So I wanted to go. So first we went to Oregon's cheesesteaks for a breakfast. And the only reason I bring this up is because when we got there, if you've ever been in a car with me, and Peter, I'm th- I think you can probably find it. There's a moment where I start playing the American Trilogy by Elvis live version, where he sings uh, the song about Dixie, and he sings uh, Glory, Glory, Hallelujah, like the, the crescendo of the live Prince from Another Planet Elvis version of the American Trilogy that ends in Glory, Glory, Hallelujah, is one of my favorites of all time. And as we're walking up at 5 a.m. and the sun's starting to rise, this song is playing out of a crazy car, right? Like the car's covered in stickers. And there's a pretty rowdy looking guy right there next to the car. And I'm going, oh, this is a sign, Peter. Like this is, you don't pull up on the glory, glory, hallelujah, unless things are all working out. I'm getting on the standby. We're going to be fine. We eat the cheesesteaks. The man who owns the car, however, I should have paid attention here because I, I should have seen the universe letting me know. He was like a combination of me and Matt Justice at the age of 60 with unlimited LSD is how I would describe oh, him. Oh, God. And the cheese, the cheesesteak man kind of gave me the Iggy of like, hey, man, like, don't, it's not worth interacting with. Like, he's here. It is what it is. And he sees, I have scars on my arms right now because there was duct tape fixing part of the canvas and thumbtacks got stuck in it. So when I bumped on it, they ripped through my arm. And so I look a little rowdy, which is fine. But he keeps yelling at us, uh, you, you Nirvana generation are covered in scars 
it's bullshit. And this is his phrase. He's like, you Nirvana kids, you're covered in scars. What are you doing? It's bullshit. And this is the same guy who was playing Elvis. I'm like, I think they have things in common, but I can't address them now. And I stone cold just ate my breakfast right there looking at him, not saying a word because, you know, he was right. Us Nirvana generation are covered in scars, but we can't do anything about that. That's the world we're left with. You know, not everybody's ready for the nihilism of like, we have 40 summers left. Enjoy yourself and don't worry too much. Uh, But it really, it inspires me to kind of let go. You know, my body's going to get a little torn up. I'm going to do a death match with Matt Tremont. I'm going to go to Denver and fall around. I'm not worried about the scarring. And we got through this and I said, you know what, Jimmy? It's it's Philadelphia, baby. That's what you got to deal with. And I think we both were kind of thinking in our heads, I hope we don't end up like this guy. But if we do, he seems like he's kind of having fun. He's having a pretty good time. I got back in Jim's car and he said, let's go to the arena. Let's go to church, as he puts it, the wrestling church. So we went there and we looked at the building and nobody's there. I mean, it's super early. And he said, let's go around back. So we go around back, and I notice immediately that this spot is a wrestling place, but also there was something that was filmed in this exact spot. And here's what was filmed there, and this is going to sound so stupid. It's John Moxley doing an impression of Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk doing an impression of the movie Point Break. It was about a minute and a half long clip, but it's incredible. I'm an FBI agent, daddy. It is one of the best clips in all of wrestling. It has nothing to do with wrestling. It is cemented forever. Where I figured out where he did that spot and recorded, I took a piss right there. Some, some say you, you should piss on the grave of your enemies, but I say you should piss on the site of history. And now it is not only the site where John Moxley uh, filmed his beautiful recreation of Dusty and Terry doing Point Break, it's also where Evie peed after going to Oregon's Cheesesteaks. So if you're ever doing the walking audio tour, if you've got the headphones like a museum, they're going to add that stop to the Philadelphia F.E. walking tour. Was it just out in the open? Like, I'm trying to imagine. So it's like kind of spot. under a highway and it has these weird bars coming. Like, it's like, you know, like it's a parking lot under a highway. Like Philadelphia is real big about stacking certain things. It's okay. not the tallest city in the world, but they stack some stuff. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a covered parking lot under a road it was okay. fine i was like so out in the open okay because you said stadium and i'm just imagining you like no. pissing on some chairs or sorry something. this is not yeah we were not in the building okay. and it is not a state it is a large painted warehouse with an iconic bathroom everybody takes a picture in front of the ecw sign that's in the arena and i've seen larger shot versions of it it's just like next to a toilet like it's uh it's weird <laughs> We're weird about our wrestling history, but I enjoyed it. And I said, Jimmy, let's do this. Let's get back to the airport. We're going to make it through. I go through security. I get to the gate. Number two and three. And at this point, the lovely Edith Surreal has joined me. We were both flying out of Philly to go to Denver. She's one of my favorite wrestlers. We're going to the same show. I said, let's do this. And she said the same thing. I wouldn't have done all this effort, extra effort and work if it wasn't a good promotion. So just know, like, you get some extra effort from the, from the uh, wrestlers if you're re- willing to Treat them right, you know? Can you go to the airport at 4 a.m.? Most people, I'm going to go, I don't think so. I'm going to do it. I gave it a try. We're number two and three on the standby. Number one gets on the plane. Numbers two and three, we do not get on the plane. And she goes, look, we have another flight. We'll put you on standby for it. I said, okay. At this point, we meet our new friend. Now, this is a cool thing. His name is Fresh Jaw. You can find him on Instagram. He follows me. 
and he is a rapper from China. And he was trying to get to Denver to do a show. He's new to America. He was new to Instagram because China does not let you have Instagram in their country. And he said, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can I stick with you guys? And this story is great. So we're learning about each other. We're hanging out. He's also wearing the greatest t-shirt I've ever seen. Now, have you seen the little teddy bear shirts that uh, Polo Ralph Lauren puts out? They're like the cute yeah. teddy bears in the yeah. polo. I do want to say that in the previous episode, when a man tried to fight me as I was getting on a spirit line, he was wearing one of these polo teddy bear shirts, which just imagine being a grown individual in a teddy bear shirt being like, you want to go? This teddy bear shirt was a little different, though. I think it's made by Supreme. It has the same teddy bear wearing a strap-on dildo. And so we're talking to this guy, and like obviously, we're just trying to gather the information. We're learning. We, d- we don't speak each other's language, but we're trying our best. And Edith goes, can you tell me about this shirt? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, it's the greatest shirt I've ever seen. And he said Supreme and showed us instant friends. We're following each other on Instagram now. They get us on the flight to Charlotte. And Lucy's pissed about it. They get us on this flight to Charlotte, and I go, so we're guaranteed on the flight to Denver? And she goes, no, you're going to do another standby. I said, what are you talking about? We're going to stand by to Charlotte to stand by to Denver to hopefully not get delayed on the way back and miss another show? There's no way this is going to work. We decided then and there we had to give up. It's sad to do. It's bad to do. We have to give up. So myself and Edith Surreal, luckily, she drove me back from the airport, back to Jim's house. Jim and Cole Radrick were hanging out there, and things seemed pretty normal. There was a show that night, Sean Henderson Presents, that was going on in the same building we were at the night before, in the same building I'd be at the next day. And then I started getting a call on my phone. And this is probably two hours later. And Edith Surreal texts me and says, hey, is Fresh Jaw, the Chinese rapper, messaging you or trying to call you? And I was like, I don't know. Let me look. And that's like... I noticed then I said, I don't know. Don't, I don't know. Like we don't know what's going on. Then I go read the messages. Fresh jaw has found another flight and got to Denver and was like, if you hurry, you might make it. And was trying to let us know. Oh my God. That there was a chance, but it was like, it was going to be another hour back to the airport. It was going to be another this, but fresh jaw y'all check out fresh jaw. If you can find the music, find the info from China, tried to get us the help, tried to help both of us get on this flight. Beautiful. It was, it's so incredible that when you come with kindness and with openness and understanding, you can easily be like, I don't know, I'm trying to get on a flight, like deal with your own crap. But we found a bond as artists, as travelers, and Fresh Shot tried to help us. And I think that's marvelous. And I think we should have more of that spirit and we should be friendly to everybody unless they're hateful motherfuckers. That's my airport story there. Now, I was supposed to be in Denver. I'm a little bummed out, dude, because Denver loves me. I got a lot of t-shirts in the bag. I want to do my dance. I want to wrestle Cody Devine and Ruby Rays, who I was scheduled to wrestle. But luckily, they're understanding. We worked it out. I'll be returning on August 12th. Very cool. But I didn't have anything to do. I was like, let me go. Let me go see if I can help with this show. And I got there, and I saw MLJ. I said, MLJ, who is the announcer for GCW, does a lot of commentary occasionally with GCW, and loves pro wrestling. I said, MLJ, who's doing commentary with you? And he said, it's just me. I'm riding solo. Now, I do solo commentary on the Twitch stream, but solo commentary is not the most fun. You need somebody you can play off. You need somebody who has the extra information. You need somebody who can catch the things you're missing. I went up there and joined him. Luckily, we both participate in uh, jazz smoking, And we just stood up there and did commentary from the balcony all night on this show. And they had everything. They had Jimmy Lloyd and Cole Radrick in a crazy 
PWG style tag match. They had death matches. They had comedy matches. At one point when Pancakes came out, are you familiar with Pancakes? No. One of my favorite wrestlers. Pancakes, uh, a lot of people go, why is he Pancakes? Because he's golden brown and he's delicious and he's hot off the griddle and he's flipping through the air at you. Emil J was not fond of someone being named Pancakes. And because he was not fond of this, I went into full pancake mode. And if you go find this match and find the commentary, there is no pancake pun left unturned as Emil J frustratingly watches me just put over every type of pancake pun in wrestling commentary that I could. Shout out pancakes. Now, would I have rather been in Denver? Maybe. But I was there for a reason, Peter, and I put over great commentary on the whole show. I got to learn a lot of new talent. I got to discuss their matches with them. And I'm always hesitant you know, to give advice to people because what works for Effie may not work for everyone. But to kind of have people lend an open ear and I can say, look, this is just my preference. This is just what I think. And maybe they take the advice, maybe they don't, but at least they're hearing it. And I think I had a great time doing that. Afterwards, though... I didn't realize how tired I was. I was like, I haven't even done anything today. I didn't wrestle. Mind you, I've been up since 2 a.m. after sleeping for two hours and sat in the airport for eight hours. I was in the airport. I mean, we're just, you're there all day trying to get, you know, to the spot. You can't do it. That is exhausting more than I'd like to sell. You're like that uh, great Tom Hanks movie. Oh. The, isn't it the one where he gets stuck in a terminal? What's that called? Uh, the terminal. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, they built that entire airport what yeah that whole thing's a set they didn't shoot in a real airport that is they will go limits for tom hanks did you see tom hanks yell at a guy the other day yeah god bless tom hanks i don't know a lot of people say that after castaway he was replaced with an easier to control model but i don't believe it in my heart you know just because he's taken a lot of mid movies that do really big numbers over the past few years that are character studies that require him to look very different than he used to i don't think that means we replace tom hanks right I don't. I think he's fine now. I don't. I don't have an issue. But then you start to think about how much money he makes other people, and that the concept of Tom Hanks, if he was lost on that island, or something happened, or something bad happened, you can't just get rid of Tom Hanks. So you may have to replace him. Now he does wonky accents, so you can't really tell it's his voice. The Polar Express. I mean, his eyes, the dead eyes of that thing. (laughs) (laughs) That new Chippendale movie reference, those dead Polar Express eyes of like, are you looking at me? Or not. It was great. Uh, I don't know. We're not going to get too deep into Tom Hanks because it gets, you know, then you start learning about, you know, some of the Colin Powell rumors with it. I don't know. There's a lot with Tom Hanks I can't get into. Uh, Go watch The Terminal. He's in the new Elvis movie as Colonel Parker. I've been seeing some mixed feelings. It's three hours of Baz Luhrmann, which like Baz Luhrmann is the equivalent of Andrew Lloyd Webber in that he is approaching things honestly and to the best vein possible, but it is gay. It is just a big gay mess. And I, I'm pretty gay. I don't know if I can do three hours of gay Elvis. I'm going to find out though. We'll find out. There seems to be a lot of unnecessary information in there. I'm going to go see it. I don't care. Elvis, what a weird bad person who makes interesting music. We won't get into that either. This could go long if we get into that. Either way, we hung out. I thought I could hang out. All the boys are hanging out. I passed out sitting up watching the new Beavis and Butthead movie after that. And I slept until the next day. There's a new Beavis and Butthead movie? Oh, brother. It is incredible. Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I only saw the first 20 minutes. It's incredible. I'm going to go finish it. It's on Paramount Plus, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, And if you like movies... You don't have to like all movies, okay? 
But if you want to expand your horizons, I've got a little suggestion for you because our sponsor this week is moviejohn.com. And not only is moviejohn.com providing all the cool articles, all the things you can learn about, you also can sign up, that's right, for the physical Movie John zine. And I got a copy of two of the Movie John zines. They are incredible. They are beautiful. They are full of information. And like we said last week, Elvis. How do you watch Elvis movies? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe some of them are not that good. But at Movie John, you're going to get the best of all types of film. You're talking about uh, niche films, historic films, new releases with new thoughts that you maybe not have thought about You know, with the new releases. Some people watch movies straightforward, but there's always a subtext. I've learned that. They are based in Philly, so John is J-A-W-N, Movie John. And they also have a Patreon, and they're very close to their goal on the Patreon. Do you want to see more articles, hear about more movies, learn about more movie stars? Well, guess what? You can do it by supporting Movie John. I think you'll be very excited reading some of the content. I've been exploring the website more, and they've got some very good dedicated writers on the team. They So they reached out to me after our podcast last week and sent me a whole completely separate email, not really podcast sponsorship related, just filled with recommendations based off the psychic TV throbbing gristle thing that I brought up. Holy that, like, moly. Obscure cult, uh, a group. And I now have four documentaries to watch that I was not aware of before. And I was like, this is delightful that you basically sent me personal recommendations. Yes. And like knew a bunch about it too. That's the care you're going to get from Movie John. They want you to love movies as much as they do. And you know what? After this weekend, I got to tell you, I love Philly. So anybody in Philly doing cool stuff, give them the love. MovieJohn.com. That's MovieJawn.com. Get the zine. Check the website. Learn and support that Patreon. And we thank them very much for supporting Weekend at Effie's. It's very cool to have sponsors like this on here that actually include information that is relevant to my life. Very interesting. I was going to add, because since we, you know, we're doing the, they're going to be our sponsor for the rest of the month and moving into July. What is your favorite comfort movie? Like something that you've seen over and over and over again, that's just like a warm friend, you know? And what do you think is the best movie? Like as far as like, this is the standard of cinema. It achieves everything on a cinematic level. Oh man, this is... I don't know. Recently, I've watched Pig quite a few times. The the Nicolas Cage. Oh, really? Classic. I and, just sob every time I watch that movie. But I it's need to so sob sad. sometimes. It's true. Um, and I know we just brought it up, but like honestly, watching back, Grand Budapest Hotel is is great. But Fantastic Mr. Fox as a film experience is my favorite movie. There's all the jokes. They go right into my head now. They don't have to go over my head. I'm not a kid anymore. It is a wholesome story. It's about learning uh, that you don't always have to be fantastic, even if you are. There's magic to that. And like, I've never found a time where I was watching Fantastic Mr. Fox where I wasn't feeling full joy and excitement over the art of film and character and uh, all the spectacle. But I will say, we've said it maybe once on here, The Untouchable starring Kevin Costner and Sean Connery is literally my favorite movie of all time. I can remember watching it for the first few times as a kid and we would dress up in the neighborhood like we were the Untouchables and we were going to stop these gang members. And there are just some really intense scenes in that movie that I feel like you can always go back to. Uh, If you haven't seen The Untouchables, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, check it out. Maybe you'll hate it. Maybe you won't hate it. I just think for set pieces and drama and emotional toil, like I'm... 
I think I saw that movie when I was like the same age as I saw Star Wars. So maybe I just saw a lot of weird movies in a year that stuck with me. I actually, I watched that one for the first time like five years ago and thought it was fantastic. It's very good. Uh, and it's also amazing for what's, uh, who's the, I'm completely blanking on his name now. You literally just said it. Um, not Kevin Costner, the other Sean guy. Connery. Yeah. I don't know what, sorry. My brain just gave no, out. No. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um, him doing an American accent is just about, he's trying his best to do an American accent and he is going to help. Andy Garcia's in there. Oh yeah. Now who played De Niro is Al Capone. Come on. That's unbelievable. Shout out Robert De Niro. You did not return my text last week. Uh, the next day I had to prepare for death. Oh, by the way, mine are Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Spirited Away. Look at me being a complete asshole. No, 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 no you're fine. I, I literally did bring that up just to mention two of my favorite movies. I love so. that. Can we talk real quick about uh, Spirited Away and how I saw Princess Mononaki after I saw Spirited Away and I was like, what is this world I've been missing? I love it. Shout out Studio Ghibli. Shout out That Pig with a Mustache. Uh, Parco Rosso. Parco Rosso. What a guy. Just being a cool, plain pig. There's beauty in that. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh... It was so context. It was the first movie I saw when I moved to the States. And like the first time I was homesick from school and they had a merit. It was when they would just like put the same movie on and then do like, you know, the regular R rated. Un- even though I don't think that's an R rated movie, like the uncut, not for yeah. TV version at the end. And I watched it six times in one day and it was like, I'm in love. Incredible. Matthew Broderick. I was uh, I was watching the producers last night. So the the new version, not the one with zero must still. Um, I had to do a death match Saturday. Now I did, and you know they say you'll focus on the negative compliments or the negative, com- you know what are they what are they, comments negative comments. Yeah. And someone said, oh, like it was only a ten minute death match. Let me be clear. Y'all saw what that man did later that night. And he had to go fight Eric Ryan. This is the six-year anniversary of H2O. This is Effie versus Matt Tremont. And Matt Tremont's wife came to me. And she's lovely. And she goes, you better make that motherfucker dance. And I said, oh, is that the challenge? I said, within the confines of a death match, I need to go make a, a giant, serious, bloody man dance. Anything is possible. Now, during the match, there was a lot. We punched each other a lot. We beat each other up a lot. There was glass thrown all over me. Uh, but one of the coolest things, I did a somersault off the ring, and Matt Tremont unfortunately moved. The chair slid so hard against the concrete that it sparked up off the floor. So sparks actually came up off the chair that I ran into. Very cool feeling. Is there a clip of that? There should be a clip of that. I'm going to see if I can find it okay. for you. Uh, the smell right away. I was like, did I see sparks? And I was like, oh. It is sparks. You know, I was fine. My spine's a little collapsed, but otherwise fine. Now, when he started hitting me in the head with light tubes, I was like, this is unacceptable, right? And then I kind of got too tough. And I was like, do it again, motherfucker. And he did. And then I realized I was in too deep. So I said, if there's ever been a time to get him to dance, it is now. And I begged. I begged for my life. And luckily, I said, in case of emergency, folks, hit the music. And the sound team knew this. So I called to hit the music. And Less Groove Tonight came on. And I want to say that as far as character work goes, between blocking the kiss from Brandon Kirk, the timing of that, which like I was just like, people are like, look, I did a 630. And I'm like, look at the timing of my hand in this moment. 
These are the things I froth over to watch me scared dance up from the begging position and then gradually gain confidence as Matt Tremont started dancing with me and we got wild. It is literally like, uh, it's like when they tell you not to breathe when the Tyrannosaurus is around. It's like a real like, oh God, what's going to happen to me? And then I fall into it. It's beautiful. And then he hit me over the head with more light tubes. It was all a trick. He tricked me. And that's fine. Because as we got into the crescendo of this moment and this match, a bunch of the, of the H2O wrestlers came out and attacked Matt Tremont. And I said, you know what? Me and Matt Tremont have tag team before. Fuck us fighting. We got to take care of these idiots. And we beat their ass. And we celebrated together. And that is a four o'clock show and I'm covered in blood. And I'm loving it. Now, here's what's even better about this. Four o'clock show covered in blood. I have an eight o'clock flight. So... After I finished bleeding and cleaning myself up, I rode back to the airport. Spirit Airlines, people can talk shit about them all they want. I've had no issues with my flights with Spirit Airlines in a long time. American, canceled. United, canceled. Spirit. Y'all talk a lot of shit about Spirit, but they get there. Yo, you gotta pay for your bags. They told you the moment you signed up for the ticket. Hey, baby, you got to pay for your bags. And they told you it'd be more expensive when you got there. And I still got to hear people bitch about things they're told when Spirit gets me there every time. Shout out Spirit. Uh, a little bit. A little bit of a shout out to Spirit. A miniature shout out to Spirit. I got home that night uh, about 11 o'clock. My lovely partner picked me up. And the preparation was that I would wake up early the next day, get the rental car, and we would all go to Alabama to have a bussy explosion. A bussy Alabama explosion. And all that seemingly was working because I, I got there, I met up with Allison, my lovely tag partner, and we walked to the rental car station, and this is a great quote. This is just an out-of-nowhere quote. I went and got the car. She said, you can pick any midsize you want. And she said, look at this one right here. I go, yeah? And she goes, this orange car, is it too orange for you? And I was like, no, no, it's not. And so we drove off in a bright orange VW beautiful what kind of vw i don't know like a, there wasn't it was, a bug though no it was like a jetta or a passat with four okay. doors i didn't really pay attention but just the quote of like is this orange car too orange for you i was like i don't know we're gonna find out like i it can't be too orange for me very flashy car to ride around in great brakes we're supposed to leave about two right so i've got Allie picked up we got a little breakfast bussy always be doing breakfast that's what we do bussy breakfast. Do for breakfast uh, hold up, I have to brain this because, oh, even better. We went to 10th and Piedmont. I was going to take her to Flying Biscuit up at the gay crosswalk of uh, 10th and Piedmont. And then we looked across the street. There was a wait for Flying Biscuit. And you look inside and you're like, I love the food, but everybody here is a boomer. And I'm not really fond of people who have voted in that direction recently. Let's go across the street. Yo, 10th and Piedmont has the most bumping Sunday brunch it is incredible. We got in there. There's music. There's drink specials. Everybody's having fun. Everybody looks fancy. I ordered chicken and waffles. And here's my issue with chicken and waffles. Always. There's two issues. One, don't put no bone chicken on my waffle. Seriously. Right? Like, what are we doing? Inexcusable. And two, don't use no crappy chicken tenders if you're going that route. Well, 10th and Piedmont, I'm happy to tell you, have the best chicken and waffles I've ever had. Let me explain why. The signature chicken and waffles is a chicken breast tender wrapped in bacon, dipped in waffle batter, 
and deep fried, served with confectioner sugar hot sauce and syrup and a bowl of cheese grits. You get three chicken tenders on a stick. You eat it like a corn dog. It's the most efficient, delicious, magical chicken and waffles I've ever had. Shout out to 10th and Piedmont. If you're in Atlanta, it's the bump and brunch spot. It's not the like, we're going to listen to Vivaldi and hold hands over tea. This is like, we're brunching and we got a big day ahead. We brunched, we ate. Allie got shrimp and grits that was perfect as well. Just good. Once you have a good breakfast with your pussy sister, you set your day up. It doesn't really matter what happens. And it didn't matter for us. We ended up meeting up with Stunt Marshall, who's going to ride with us. Brogan Finley, son of Fit Finley, brother of David Finley, was also supposed to ride with us. But then he said he got stuck in Chattanooga, which I don't know how that happens. But he said, hey, there might be a rainstorm. And we might not have the show in Alabama. I said, let me hit him up. And I hit up the promoter and I said, what's up? And they said, rainstorm. We might not have the show. I said, when will you know? He goes, well, we're probably going to call it in an hour. And he called it. And this is, I want to highlight this because he didn't have to do this. Allie's here. He paid for her flight to get her in. And I drive her to Alabama with me. Sent us dinner money. They don't have to do that. They don't have to send us money on the side. We didn't even perform a service. But he said, you know what? I'm buying your dinner. Thank you for waiting. I said, well, Allie... This is great. My partner, AJ, had left at 6 a.m. that morning, so I wasn't going to get to see him. And he said, well, I'm coming back at 3 or 4. So we were swapping times on the dog. I said, well, i got to leave at like 2 or 3. He said, I'll be back at 3 or 4. I was like, good. He took with his family, took his niece to the zoo for the first time. Aww. And seeing the pictures of them at the zoo, feeding giraffes, seeing the river otters. and It is incredible to be a cute little gunkle. You know, like... He loves it because you get to hang with the baby and then you don't have to be all the time there. We've talked about that a little. It was just cute. It is cute to see your partner with a baby. I don't know if I'm softening up in my older age, but we might be getting a new baby in our house soon. Not a baby baby, but a dog baby. I don't know. We're thinking about it. We're Cranberry's been asking, but maybe eventually a baby baby. We'll see. He thinks he wants a baby. I don't. I really don't. But maybe I do if it's with him, if it's his baby. You know what I mean? I mean, that photo of y'all at uh, Piedmont Park was super cute. <sighs> with the little girl yes. looking over the, the gay city with the lights. Yes. Well, that's where we went next because once he got home, I said, hey, we're all here. We're all having fun. I got an idea. Why don't we watch this AEW pay-per-view later tonight? Why don't we stream it? Usually, I don't have Allie there. And people love to hear what Allie has to say. She doesn't do podcasts. She doesn't do interviews. But for now, let's go to the park. And to tell you... Piedmont Park on Sunday at around 4.30, the sun is perfect, there's people everywhere, there's so many cute dogs, they can buy drinks from a bad cooler woman who takes cash app, everybody was chilling, you know, it's unfortunate we couldn't come to Alabama, but boy did we have fun just out there enjoying it, grooving it, we ended up having a whole spaghetti dinner meal with a lot of meats and things, it was beautiful, and then we watched that pay-per-view, and I don't normally watch the full pay-per-views, but I got to say this. There was a lot of great wrestling on the pay-per-view. New Japan versus AEW. And, you know, statistically, would I like to see a a few less cis-hetero white men? Yeah, maybe. But I got to say, pretty good wrestling out there. And Orange Cassidy stole the show for me. That man went one-on-one with Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay does all that fucking dancey flip shit. Orange Cassidy wrestles. They put that shit together. Magic. Great. Orange Cassidy, one of the best wrestlers in the world. 
I think it should be highlighted more. But that stream was fucking chaos, Peter. It was chaos. Wild style chaos. You can go back and watch it. It doesn't matter. But now I have a whole day to spend with Allie. I've got her in Atlanta. We've got nowhere to be. We're going to do the Monday night stream. That's the whole reason she was going to stay till Tuesday. I said, perfect. We've had two shows canceled already. Let's just enjoy ourselves. So, and the good thing about being around Allison is she makes me go to the gym and she makes me actually work out hard. Like I can go to the gym and I can be like, nah, I'm, I'm good. After like 40 minutes, I'm like, nah, I don't know. I'm good. But with her there, it's like, it keeps me going, keeps me fired up. Uh, but then she wanted to go to the aquarium. Now, Peter, I can't describe to you all the, it, it would be a boring podcast if I just told you all the times that there were, you know, uh, winks from the universe in my weekends and looking at clocks and getting numbers and things sitting the way they sit. But I got to tell you this one because Allison's never been to the aquarium and the aquarium in Atlanta is massive. It's a big aquarium. Now I've been there as you probably have been there many, many times, many times to this aquarium. So in my mind, I kind of know where to go and where to not go or what to spend time on and what not to spend time right. on. And as we're going through, we're seeing all the beautiful creatures. We're really embracing their spirit. We're sort of taking a trip with those fish all the way through their environment, you know, and everything's working. And she goes, oh my goodness. She goes, you rushed me through here. I go, you've seen everything you need to. We get to the final room. I got to tell you this though, Peter, because most people are not going to notice this, but this is my brain. The uh, employee who was in there, she is speaking about the animals that are in the giant, the biggest Western hemisphere single tank in, you know, in America that features whale sharks and giant rays and sea turtles and all sorts of stuff. She sees a shark and she goes, now everybody look over here, this tiger shark down here. Uh, her name is giraffe. Oh, hold on. I am so sorry, folks. That is, that is not giraffe. That's a different tiger shark. I'm very sorry. And I said, this lady just stopped the whole presentation to apologize for misnaming a tiger shark that she was confused about that no one in this room knows or cares what the name of the tiger shark is. And nor would they, if she had just said, this is giraffe, the tiger shark, but in absolute respect of the shark's, uh, name and honor, she corrected herself on naming the shark. Now, this is that's not the point I'm trying to get to, but it just to me, I was like, what an adorable thing to be like. No, oh my goodness, I am so sorry, giraffe, the tiger shark. I misnamed you. I, I, I thought you were Terry. You know, this is bad. There's a secret respect there. But as we're going, I show her everything. And Peter, I don't know if you know this, I can talk to animals. It's actually published in PWI. And as we go around, like, here's an example the big sea dragons, right? I walked up and there was a lady looking at the sea dragons and she goes, they're all hiding in the corner. And I go, oh, don't worry. And I go, come here, sea dragons. We'd like to see. And they all come out right to the front. And it kept happening with different animals. One kept doing tricks and I would call him over, little fish, little parrot fish. And there's a real odd feeling of like, am I making this up or are we having a little conversation here? And, you know, if I'm an animal, I'm not talking to everybody, but PWI has confirmed that I can speak to my dog Cranberry in their news article. So I want to confirm here, I can talk to fish too. I can't make them do things. I can't make them uh, participate, but they seem to like me a little bit better. And here's how I'm going to confirm that what I'm saying is true. On the way out of, of the aquarium, there's a song playing in the gift shop. And right in the middle of us leaving the aquarium, we've seen everything, all the fish, 
Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is just reaming through the gift shop. Let me make it one better. This is incredible. She goes, oh my God, your song is literally playing. And I go, Allie, you can't sell for stuff like this. Sometimes you just got to acknowledge that the universe, and as I'm saying this and trying to be like, it's okay to like, just let it happen. Of course, my song's playing as I'm walking out of the aquarium. I trip over a stroller. (laughs) As I'm trying to play it cool, I trip over a stroller and, uh, I didn't know sell that, but the guy with the stroller apologized to me, which I thought was odd. As we leave the aquarium, a monsoon just hits. Like it is pouring. Oh my goodness. And I just had to I had to let it out and I yelled, the fish are gonna win. <laughs> the fish are gonna win. It's it was a really magical time, and I hope Allie can, you know, confirm some of this, but we can talk to animals, and my theme song was, I didn't call ahead to have my theme song played at the exact time that I needed it to, but we got home, and we did the Monday Not Raw stream. It was incredible. We did not watch that much wrestling on the stream, and Peter, this is this is a weekend where, in the middle of Pride, you're going, oh, of course, everything's perfect, but sometimes things are thrown in your way, and sometimes you get a little wrench, and it's all how you sell it. I could have spent all weekend angry. I missed the show. Another show canceled. Another problem, but I didn't, Peter. I just, I took it in stride. I said, you know what? I'm going to be where I need to be. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be in the world I need to be in, and everything else is just a possibility. Nothing is set in stone. Who even knows? And now I'm back. Allie went home. And we're back on the road Thursday to Chicago. It's going to be incredible. Now, Peter, I know we've got a lot going on here. Uh, first, I want to point out, you created a Twitter for the yes. uh, podcast. Thank fucking God. Now, instead of seeing one tweet from me in a sea of 7,000 tweets that puts over the podcast, we actually have a home for the podcast information. It's at Weekend at Effie's. Peter, what do you think about Twitter? You know, I... I had a moment the other day. The, the reality has been really weird. Um, I've had some personal ups and downs, and there's some, quite a bit of downs happening in like the larger global United States climate. And you know that stuff just kind of, as much as uh, you try to keep everything moving as much as possible, there are just days where it is dragging you down. And I was having one of those days, and a couple people tweeted really nice things about the podcast and it made me cry in my car that's beautiful and i just want to say i know like the social media is weird i know like retweeted tweets with emojis it's like whatever the i don't i have no way to express to you how much that touches me and my heart and everything um so just thank you and know that um you made me cry (laughs) And thank you for letting me talk over you, Peter, all the time. <laughs> I love I love that I've uh, taken that, but I really appreciate Peter's help on this podcast because I am, I don't know if you've <laughs> met me, I'm a genius in the sense that I have a lot of great ideas, and I'm an idiot in the sense that I don't always have uh, the trust in other people to help me execute them, and Peter has helped me execute this idea beautifully. Weekend at Effie's at gmail.com if you want to email. We have a lot of questions this week. I'm pretty excited, I heard. Uh, But first, don't forget, moviejohn.com. That's J-A-W-N. If you look in Philly, if you've been in Philly, John Morgan from Morgan & Morgan has a billboard there that says John Morgan, J-A-W-N. Fuck John Morgan of Morgan & Morgan. And also, there's one commercial that exists for Morgan & Morgan that is 
one of the son lawyers that looks like him saying pretty normal lawyer stuff. And then he goes, and if you've seen our sister, let her know we could use a good lawyer. And it seemed like maybe they should text or call her and not just reach out to her via large scale TV advertisement. I'm not making this up. This is a real thing. People can look it up to see if it exists. Uh, it is scandalous and weird. Moviejohn.com, though, their Philly-based zine and website that discusses both new releases, classics, and special interest titles, niche titles, lesser-known titles, and movies. Maybe you're going to go back and think about movies you've already seen and go, oh my god, I would have never known that that was a reference to this niche title if I hadn't have learned it from Movie John. And right now, they're inching towards that Patreon goal. They are trying to get the Patreon up. So check them out. See if it's something you're interested in. It's something I'm definitely interested in. I love movies. I complained to Peter when I got here today that I've not been able to go to the movie theater enough (laughs) with my busy schedule. It is a part of my own meditation to spend time in a movie theater, whether with people or not with people, whether with good movies or with bad movies. Movies are important because they give us perspective. They show us other people's ways of life. And if anything, they give us more information to hoard, to be used in communication with humans. But if you're just into watching the movies, learning about the movies, Movie John is great for that. If you're a nefarious lord overlord who's trying to learn everything about humans so that you can turn it around and start your empire, Movie John may also be great for that. They've got a lot of classics, and that's a number one theme for movies. So MovieJohn.com, at MovieJohn on Twitter, and check out that Patreon. You can get there via MovieJohn.com. I'm excited to have them here, and I'm excited to learn more about movies and don't discount those giant, sick zines. They're not giant, but they're like full of a lot of pages. They're full really color, beautiful looking. Very beautiful. Whoever's doing the like the page setup and the art on these, incredible. If you like, if you're a big like physical media person, it's definitely. I've been seeing some of their packages and stuff that they send out to people. And one of the things I thought was really cool about, uh, obviously, they are they have people who really know their stuff, and I believe that's the point of the Patreon is so they can start paying everybody a little bit better, and you know really match you know the money to what they are putting out because like every i've been really impressed by everything that i've seen incredible Uh, they have a resident elvis expert which is wonderful well let's talk to the resident elvis expert because i think he's still on the property at graceland I think so too. Have you ever seen uh, Bubba Hotep? I have seen Bubba. Ho- I love Bubba Hotep. I, I rewatched Bubba Hotep the other day. I'm just I'm a big Bruce Campbell fan. Oh, and after too. that Multiverse of Madness, I was like, baby, we gotta watch more Bruce. Like we gotta go back and do it. We even went uh, we went out of town to see Evil Dead the the stage play, not with oh Bruce in God. it, but just like of a local theater company, and that was incredible as well. Full musical, magic, amazing. We love Bubba Hotep. We love Evil Dead. We love Bruce. And we love Sam Raimi. I love Sam Raimi. I love Sam Raimi. Let's go, Sam Raimi. All right, Peter, I'm going to hand it over to you to, to ask us these interesting questions. You know, Sam Raimi wears a suit to every, like, on set. He's, like, wants to be professional. Is he a never nude? He might be. Oh, There's a lot of wrestlers who wear suits to the shows, but, like, my suggestion is there's a better way to look professional and needed and it's to get over and have people want to see you wrestle. So that was rude, Peter. All right. This question is from L. Hi, Peter and Effie. Just a prelude, but I fell in love with you, Effie. The moment I listened to the podcast you did with Lita back in June of 2001, where you took two, where you two took over oral sessions. I've listened a weekend of Effie's since November. I look forward to it every Friday. The podcast with both of your crazy stories has helped me through some of my darkest days. Thank you guys so very much. I love this. My first question is for Effie. 
I recently discovered that I'm falling out of love with pro wrestling. This is heartbreaking to me because my brother and I have bonded over it since 2014. I took a two-year hiatus. I had an emo phase. We all have an emo phase. We all. I'm still in mine. In 2018 and returned to it in 2020. I've been hooked ever since, but something about it isn't engaging anymore. I'm not sure if it's because of the characters I relate to aren't on TV anymore or if they're moving away from the story-based content I originally fell in love with. I'm still very passionate about wrestling. I hope to be a pro wrestling photographer in the future. More on that below. And I don't want to lose this unique attachment I have to the art. Is there something I should look into that would give me some sort of spark? Is there anything I should stay away from? So rather than a specific answer, I'm going to start. People have come to me a lot of times at my table and said, and this isn't, this sounds like I'm being a big ego head, but they say either we came to see you, we came because of you, or, you know, we, you're our favorite. We found out about you here. Like we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. We want to see you wrestle. And what I try to remind them is that pro wrestling is a, it's a medium. It's a way of sharing stories. It's a way of uh, sharing combat. But it is not something that you have to like all of to be a pro wrestling fan. And I think giving yourself the permission to say like, hey, the same way I watch movies, I may not enjoy every single movie, but I'm not going to give up on all of movies as a concept because there are so many bad, shitty, Marvel believing yourself, predictable last movies out there. And for the most part, your mainstream consumption of these things is going to fit within that genre of, you know... Roman Reigns playing Captain America and trying to overcome the odds of some evil oncomer or whatever it may be. And it is corny and it is cheesy. And a lot of the shit is repeated and repeated and repeated. And so I understand the frustration of wanting to be a pro wrestling fan and having the amount of content be sort of uh, mid. There's a lot of mid. And so I try to remind people of like, when you say you're a pro wrestling fan, you don't have to be a fan of anything more than you're a fan of. And so as you're looking around and finding wrestling, you may even on one show enjoy a certain match and not enjoy the rest of the show. You may enjoy one show from a promotion and not enjoy the rest of their weekly stuff. I say keep looking, keep learning, but don't be afraid to go outside that norm. I mean, for me, my joy of wrestling was brought back a lot of times by the weirdest most unprofessional wrestling out there possible because sort of those riffs on the themes that are true to wrestling and the riffs on the tropes of wrestling uh, in a very non-serious way kind of made it more fun for me, whether that be like uh choke hole, uh, they do weird drag queen cosplay wrestling or uh, big battle kaiju big battle that does these and i know the owner of kaiju big battle is a fucking weirdo so i hope somebody else can do mascot style wrestling in that sense um sometimes going into those things and having the seriousness pulled away a little bit is better i even notice you know a lot of times i'm watching AEW, and i'm not saying that everything should should not be serious but to see it is hard for me as a performer to want to sell anger and that type of emotion and believability in a character all the time. And sometimes I think that we, we don't acknowledge that we are a little bit goofy. Like in general, wrestling is a little bit goofy. We're wearing spandex outfits with sparkle letters and matching knee kick pads. And we're trying to tell you we're the toughest warriors of all time. Like it's goofy as fuck. And so I think embracing a little bit more of that goofy. And I mean, even looking at that will, uh, will Ospreay Orange Cassidy match, 
Orange Cassidy is a very competent wrestler who understands pacing and speed and these things, but the way he is going to get those crowd reactions that other people are going to need these dead serious like breakdowns of emotion and violence, he's going to get them in different ways. Our audiences have uh, changed. They're more nuanced. They're different. I don't know. I would just kind of latch it up by saying, don't, don't feel like if you don't enjoy something about wrestling, that it has to be your wrestling. Like you're in control of it. Watch what you like. And if you don't like it, your opinion is just as valid. There's so much wrestling. I don't like I'm, I watch more wrestling than a lot of people. There's plenty I don't like. I don't really watch it. I try to watch the stuff I like. Um, and if I don't like it, I think about fun ways to get paid to be a part of it to make it better. <laughs> okay, question for Peter. As I mentioned above, I'd love to tour the country as a pro wrestling photographer someday. I bought my first camera for my birthday in March, and I plan to major in photography after my senior year of high school next year. Is there anything I should know about photography that you'd wish you'd known when you first started? Tips would be very helpful. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so a couple things. Photography is a repetition game. and It's not one of those things where you're only as good as the last thing that you've done. Everything kind of cumulatively adds up. So you could be taking objectively the worst photographs ever, and those terrible photographs are going to get you to the place where you're making stuff that you are actually into. Like It took me forever to get to the point where something sort of kind of matched up to what I had it looking in my head before. So really as much like the, the, I know it's um, sometimes overused, but the whole like 10,000 hours thing really does apply to photography. So it's much practice. Like don't be super precious about what it is that you're taking photos of. Just like have no purpose to it and just take photographs and you will start to get, a, get progressively better with that. Um, and then I would, Really learn as much stuff as you can while you are not in school for it um, because there's a structure that they will want you to kind of follow when you're in school. And photography is one of those things that, like, you can kind of break in from wherever, and it's a little bit random where the, like, the big opportunities actually do come from. Um, probably the biggest thing is go ahead, find photographers in your area that you appreciate that, their work, just cold email them. I know it's kind of like a weird thing to do, but just be like, hey, I love your work. I would love to just like, you know, take you out for a cup of coffee and just pick your brain. You will get hired off that stuff just because that's just kind of how this industry works. Photographers that are successful tend to have a little bit of an ego. And if you just stroke that just a <laughs> tiny little bit, you can get jobs as an assistant, which pays really well. And that's where you actually learn what to do and what not to do in photography, which is probably the other big thing. Watch other photographers, find what you like about what they're doing, especially when it comes to like the business side of things, and then figure out all the things that they're doing wrong because that will help you out more than anything. It's just going like, oh, this isn't working for them, obviously, and is more of a headache than it needs to be. And just kind of, if you have an outsider's view to everything in the beginning, it's really helpful. Um, photographers tend to get a little bit stagnant, like the more years that they continue. And so it's, a, I would say it's a newcomer's game, especially right now. I want to add to this in the wrestling world that some of the best pictures that have ever been taken of me uh, have been sort of unstructured and sometimes thinking that you need the permissions or the backstage setup or something or something. Those 
are going to be things that are going to hold you back worse than just showing up and starting to get the shots. Because if you're getting shots to people, whether they're in the ring, out of the ring, walking around, you know, just in the environment of wrestling, you may end up capturing something that's more interesting than if you were there in, in a structured way. I mean, that can help to be a little closer to the ring. It can help in these ways, but to break in showing pictures off that you've just kind of gotten without making me put effort into it is the best way to get my attention and to have me vouch for you because I vouch for a lot of photographers and if they take great pictures of me, I'm happy to have them back, but you got to know it's uh, you got to sneak them from me, especially when I'm in the, in the wild, as they say. And at these shows, the best photographs ever taken to me are someone who's just like, Hey, could you just stand right there? And then they shoot a photo rather than, Hey, come over here. We got to do a setup, stand in the light. We're going to do portraits. This is my vision. You've got to kind of adapt to the medium and the, I mean, you're going to get better product if you just slip in there and take the pictures versus needing all the extra, uh, badges. You know what I mean? I think the the one time we tried to do something more formal, we just literally went to the women's bathroom and took photos of you. It Great <laughs> pictures, though. <laughs> it worked. Cute Polaroids. Uh, okay, let's do one from Twitter. Love it. What is Effie's plan for world domination, and why is it shoving a guitar up Double J's snake hole and telling him to get bent? Also, have you considered getting Anonymous to handle the uh, Double J situation so you don't have to waste waste your time? Thank you for your, your service in this sport. Hashtag Bussin. If anything, I think Jeff Jarrett has lost already. Because if you have to run back into Vinnie Mac's open arms after running away from him that many times, there must be something out here that scares you. And if I'm what scares you, then go away. And the people will see it and the people will know. But uh, there's a simpler plan to the world domination. And I don't know if we've ever discussed it on here but what I'm about to do, Peter, is called a reverse Dwayne. Are you familiar? I'm familiar with who Dwayne might be. Now, you may know Dwayne. Dwayne used to be a professional wrestler. He was the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. I, in fact, am electric, fantastic, and fuck you. So there's a little bit of a similarity there. But what Dwayne did, Dwayne got as popular as he could from professional wrestling and then translated that outwardly into a film career as a movie star and as the top paid movie star in the world. And some people say, well, it's because The Rock has a lot of skills in the acting world. And I say, bullshit. Tom Cruise does his own stunts, but it takes 60 takes. The Rock had to do all of his takes in one take when he was a wrestler. That translates into easiness of film. You can remember scripts. You can remember moves. You can do stunts. All of it's there. Now, the reverse Wayne is this. As I await my character announcements and some news on the Netflix participation that I've hinted at so much, we will be entering on a trail. And the other night, uh, AJ said something funny to me. He goes, well, why don't you switch over to Apple TV? They have a lot of new shows. And I was like, baby, it's not like a, it's not like an NFL draft where you're just like, I did a part on Netflix. Now I'm going to Apple. And I wish it was, but it, it will be because what I'm going to do is translate this little bit of voice actor success into more roles, into more acting, into more hosting gigs. I may stop by and write on SNL for a season just to see how it feels. And in all of that, and in the growth of fame, I will continue to be an independent professional wrestler. And I will use the fame of the outward Hollywood mainstream media to bring people back to pro wrestling. And you're going, Effie, this sounds wild. Aren't you going to sign for a bigger pro wrestling contract? No, I'm building my own fucking legacy. And now you're at the last moments of thinking that you even had a chance of having Effie be a part of your wrestling show if you're trying to get TV rights. Because what we will do is 
these fill arenas by just announcing that I'll be there. And I'll see if uh, maybe uh, maybe Ben Affleck wants to come do a match in the Batman suit. And we want to fill out 20,000 seats with nothing more than me and him announced and a beautiful undercard of my friends. What we are going to do is what should have been done long ago, which is instead of running away from wrestling after you get as high as you can get and becoming a part of the mainstream world and not returning except for once in a while to get a couple mil off a WrestleMania match where you rip your abs, guess what? We're going to keep professionally wrestling. And what is uh, the strangeness in this? Well, why would I bump if I'm a rich Hollywood megastar? Aren't you going to change your mind, Effie, when you get all this money? No, because there is no more pure art form to telling stories than being in front of a crowd and improvising combat. There's nothing. And so as I grow, as the legacy grows, and someone tweeted, I can't find the character that Effie is in Dead in Paranormal Park on Netflix. You haven't seen me yet. I'm giving too much away already. But... It's going to be a big deal, and I'm going to translate all of this as much as I can backwardsly and back into independent professional wrestling. And you know what? Call me out on it. If I'm not if I'm not handling my business correctly, if I'm not bringing the people back in, if I dip off to just be an SNL star to replace Pete Davidson for a while, call me back because I want my Saturdays open. I don't mind leaving for a month or two to do filming, but y'all got one take. Same, same as Ring of Honor. Y'all got one take. So get the shot you need. I know it's Oscar worthy. I've got to go bump. I've got to go hit a choke slam. I've got to go be the greatest pro wrestler of all time. Uh, plus, the SAG union health insurance is better off than uh, than trying to get a union together in pro wrestling. We're working. We'll try. But Terry Funk knew what he was doing when he got that Roadhouse gig, and he got his SAG card for life. And if you've never seen Roadhouse with Terry Funk, it's the inspiration to my future. So just know that. Terry Funk never never ran away from wrestling. He just needed his health insurance. But we are going to go mega stardom. That's my plan of world domination. And I will say it here. The only way I will run for president is if Dwayne tries to do it. Because I don't like secret Republicans that live in the closet. And guess what? They'll vote him in and then he'll start doing destructive shit. I'm over it. I'll take you out, Dwayne, in an election. Try me. They'll vote for Effie before they vote for you. You're electric? Oh, yeah, well, I'm fantastic and fuck you. So get it together. Okay, this next question is from Jamie. Hey, Effie and Peter. Love listening to the pod every week. It's always so exciting and different and interesting. Thank you for the hours of entertainment. We I thought about it the other day and how there's like 30 to almost 40 plus hours of this now. Well, let's be clear, though. I'm really excited into my old age with CTE that I can listen back in real time to what I was doing. So I'm glad everybody likes listening to this. But the same with my entrance music. That's a ritual for me. And this will be, too. Uh, I keep meaning to submit questions and finally remembered, so I have a few for you both. Okay, <laughs> now I forgot about this question. Uh, number one, solitary or trooping fairies? Are y'all into fey magic or nah? I don't know enough about the fey magic, but I do believe that I've had fairies around me in my life, and not just at Pride. You actually have, because um, I do have a fairy story. Oh. Uh, so... Definitely trooping fairies over solitary. Uh, the, the troop that when they're in a group, they're much more manageable. There's kind of like a hive mind thing going on. Solitary that means that like they were probably asked to leave whatever group they were in. And I mean that's I think in my opinion that's where like the more problematic like poltergeisty ones start coming that in. are fucking with you. Yeah, the, the, I wouldn't necessarily say they're like super malicious. But they can, like, ruin your life with, you know, like, death by a thousand cuts style. 
Yeah, not a lot of consequence for those singular fairies. Not, no, not really. Um, so, okay, so most of my most of my magical stuff has been um, like self protection kind of thing. I don't think I've I was possessed when I was a kid. We didn't get into this. Yet. Okay, okay. That would, I mean, how long do you want to be here for it? Uh, I just want to, I have a question based on the cartoon that I'm going to be participating in. The dog was possessed early on and then part of the possession stayed and gave him powers. Do you think that you're still partially possessed? It's possible. I love this. (laughs) I, sometimes there's, sometimes there is stuff going on in my head that makes me think that not everything has been completely cleared out. Uh, I do have my I have my own version of entrance entrance music for ri- I have like song triggers for things so I can like talk to certain people and get clarity and a lot of times they're like yeah don't listen to that shit that's going on in your brain and we just kind of deal with it that way uh, so that being said most of the stuff that I've done has been specifically for protection because I don't want that to happen again yeah. and I, let's tell that story another time it's very long this and is involved dense. And yeah. Yeah, yeah I understand more of your protection rituals now it, with it, me around well okay part of that was a little bit of kayfabe because I thought it was funny but um protect yourself man the, I, you know now that I think about it though my a solitary fey experience did come right after the ritual that I did where I talked to your friend. Uh, this was when I was living above you in AJ. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, in the last few years, I've, one of the things I realized, and this is something I think a lot of people realize when they start getting into this stuff, is that you're just doing magic all the time anyway. Like the, you are creating the reality that's in front of you all the time, whether you mean to be or not. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to start actually manifesting some stuff in and shaping things the way that I want to shape them instead of like letting anxiety create the reality that I live in. Yeah. Cause whatever's directing it is going to direct it. Exactly. Uh, so I went a little overboard. Um, and just cause I get gung ho about things and I just, you know, I really go for it. Uh, and so I did this whole ritual and it was very intense, but like very good. I got a lot of really good things out of it. Uh, and, then like a week later, I started noticing that I was just like misplacing stuff around my apartment constantly to the point where it like stopped making sense, where it was like, there's no yeah. way that this stuff is just disappearing all over. I mean, it would be like a belt that I knew was in a certain place. And so I started like taking pictures just so I could like prove to myself. And I was like, okay, yeah, there's something in my apartment and it is moving things around and shifting it and everything. And, uh, funny coincidence you gave me the saint john's wart yes and that actually wards off fairies really and i stopped having as many it was like less annoying after you gave that stuff to me yeah like so it was create just, a little space yeah it's just uh, the, one of the most common things for me is the tool that i need has already appeared in my life and then it's like a recognition that that's what I need to be using. And so it was real funny where you gave me that. I was like, okay, I can battle this thing out in my dreams. Then. I don't even know why I gave you St. John's War. We'll never know. It was, yeah. God works in mysterious ways, right? Yeah, that's what they call her. Um, and so uh, when I was moving, I used to have my altar like out in the open. I've wised up now and it's like hidden away in a back corner where no one can see it. Um 
so I was like taking everything off my altar, like move the bookshelf that it was on. And I kid you not, there were a thousand like tooth floss picks behind the altar. Yo. And I was very particular that nothing goes on that altar that's not supposed to be right. there. Like I don't want anything on there. And I had done another ritual. I was really I, I didn't go to the dentist for about 10 years. Turns out it was fine. I went in there and they're like, oh, your teeth are perfect. Like, There's nothing for you to wear. You just genetically blessed to have really good teeth. That's part of being Fuck a Capricorn, yeah. I think. Um, and so I think that some hairs got crossed or some wires got crossed in that whole thing. And this poltergeist was just <laughs> duplicating floss picks and like throwing them by because it was a lot of them. It was a big mess. To this clean is up. insane. I love it. And the later realization of like, this shouldn't be back here. Yeah. Good for us. Good for you. So I'm glad I had St. John's wart. That's so funny. Okay. This one's for you. <laughs> Effie, have you considered a, I guess the, the answer to that question is fairy magic is not something I've chosen to participate in, but seldom am I ever picking what I'm participating in. So. They find you. Exactly. Uh, Effie, have you considered a big gay brunch in Detroit or even in Chicago? Yes. So we will be returning to Chicago. I need to finish up the card on this and get in touch with some people. We will be returning to Chicago for the all out weekend. Uh, we've considered a lot of cities, but as is predictable, I'm kind of the thing holding it back. I'm a little too busy. What I really need is a a team. And I think I have a team in mind that could handle it to do more big gay brunches. But as we expand uh, LGBTQ talent, as we expand LGBTQ uh, wrestling, you know, participation and the amount of fans coming in, we have to do more. You know, I know we're going to be in LA working that out for WrestleMania season, but I want to have more of these shows come up. I really need to move my calendar around it. And I think eventually what we will do is I'll just live in a bus and I'll go around and I'll plant brunches and then they won't have to be Effie's big gay brunches. That's one of my biggest regrets is that obviously it's helped me out tremendously to have my name all over these events and press and all this stuff. But uh, what has been a little bit of a problem is if you don't like me, I don't want you pushed away from the events. So I wish I would have called the whole thing wrestling is gay to begin with, but we all know that wrestling is gay. So if we can keep it going, Evie's big gay brunch, but they may end up just being wrestling big gay brunches. I want to have more participation. I am, uh, I'm limited, but I'm working on more. So look out. I can guarantee Chicago. This is an exclusive weekend at Effie's update, uh, but we're trying to do more and we will continue to. Uh, so uh, this beautiful human is a florist. Ah. Cranberry actually follows them on Instagram. I love this. Um, and a part of that in Chicago is floral arrangements for a gay break brunch. I would love to have floral arrangements. What has happened the previous few times is certain things have gotten in our way to making it as uh, extensive of an event as we need including the breakfast portion, which originally was going to be a very big part of it and a VIP section. But I think even more than just floral arrangements around, I would love to have floral arrangements for some of the performers to show love and respect to them. And who doesn't like getting flowers, especially after being in a fight? You know what I mean? Beautiful. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Night in the City? I have not. 1950? I haven't no. either. Uh, we so will a, then. A wrestling adjacent. Okay. All right. 
Let's get into it. I'm excited. New Was movies. there something that you were going to bring up about The Wrestler? Yeah, so Ali Catch had never seen The Wrestler, and I didn't make her it's watch Marissa it. Tome. Marissa Tomei. Marissa so, Tomei, Mickey Rourke. Uh, they hate each other, and they have, a, they have a kiss in that movie, don't they? Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, Aronofsky had to like work the set out to where there was the minimum amount of time that they're in the same room together, and basically tricked the two of them into kissing each other, because it like wasn't going to happen. It's an intense movie, but the way I put it with Allie, I said, Allie, The Wrestler is a movie that you watch the first time, and you're not in wrestling, and you go, well, it's a really good movie, Darren Aronofsky, and then you watch it the second time, and you go... I know everyone in this movie and this is moving towards this direction and I have to get off this ride before I become him. And I want to say that we watched the, we watched the Ric Flair presser for his last match. Now the man retired uh in Orlando at like WrestleMania 24. Like this it's WrestleMania 37 next year. Oh god. The man retired a long time ago and then he came back and did another match for TNA. Not good, I think. And then now he's saying it's the final, final match. They just kept making references to the movie The Wrestler and how this won't be like that. But Ric Flair kept going like, anything could happen out here. And so I'm just trying to remind people that like we don't have to write more episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. We don't have to keep having bad moments in wrestling. Y'all don't let this man die in the ring. That's just That seems like a, a big trauma, a big core memory issue for a lot of people if he's going to go Randy the Ram himself in the middle of this ring. You know, this is the real story. Ric Flair went to 38 doctors who said, do not get in a ring. And then the 39th one was Dr. Nick. And he said, oh, go ahead, Ric Flair. It's fine. You'll be great. Yeah. He literally, 39 uh, doctors, one said yes. And he took the yes and ran with it. I will not be participating in that show. I will be at StarCast if you'd like to meet me. And I will be at the GCW show that Friday night. So enjoy it. Okay. This is not a question. But I used to work there and can't let daddy continue not knowing. If you go to Cracker Barrel and order the Country Boy breakfast, you get free refills on your hash brown casserole uh, and fried apples. What? It is not anywhere on the menu, but it's something that all Cracker Barrels do. It only applies to the Country Boy, though, that you get also get a third egg and a choice of meat, etc. Holy mackerel. Because that's the best part of the whole meal with the country boy is you get the apples and the hash browns. And you're telling me I could have just had more? Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Thank you for letting me know. I will be back at a Cracker Barrel. Uh, I saw a Facebook Cracker Barrel review from a a religious fruitcake fundy who was mad that they were serving beer now. And I thought that was perfect. I, I love collapsing your life by having beer in a Cracker Barrel. I love that that's something that a person could be so genuinely mad at that they have to let Cracker Barrel know. That's ridiculous. You feel like they would be into that. I want to let everyone know that I have, I have smoked weed outside of a Cracker Barrel. So I'm under the influence of drugs in that Cracker Barrel with you, and the Lord can't save me. Anyway, love you guys bunches. Please pet Cran and Lucy for me. <laughs> yes, he's actually petting Lucy right now. She's been such a warm little bundle over there. Hey. Uh, th- th- this is wonderful. They put their uh, rising sun and moon sign at the bottom. It's Sag, Sag, Leo, in which we ha- I share two placements. I am a Sag rising and a Leo moon. So. Wow. Similarities. Very so- Good luck with that Leo moon, let me tell you. <laughs> the lion. Uh, Okay, you want to do another one from Twitter? Let's do it. We're hanging out. Weekend at Effie's. Send us questions. Weekend at Effie's at gmail.com or DM the Twitter 
I don't see these questions until they're asked of me. Peter has a little a little time to check, but I'm this is coming at me fresh and I'm giving raw answers. Okay, this is coming from at Razorblade Dream. Oh, the other Twitter question was uh, Versace Colacci. <laughs> Versace Colacci. Okay. If you had to listen to only five songs and watch five movies for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? Oh, my gosh. This is like, you got to go with the top five. All right. Oh, God. This is, I, when I was growing up, this was called Desert Island Discs. I don't think that's a thing over here. Yeah. Though. It's uh, the idea being these are the CDs you would take with you if you're on a desert island Tom Hanks style. I, I think I have to expand this longer, but I think I'm going to give one and one. Do you okay? Do you remember watching Castaway for the first time and yes. seeing Tom Hanks try to kill himself? No. Okay. But are we back on top? Because it's possible he succeeded. I it may be that this is a and it could a be new, Tom Hanks. A, <laughs> this is a new. Yeah, it's the long hair for the Da Vinci Code. Uh, this is a new Mandela effect because I remember that happening and a bunch of other people remember what, that in happening. In what way it's was not he... in the movie. Like he, they, when you watch the movie now, they hint at the fact that he tries to kill himself on the island. Do you think they adjusted after the fact? Maybe and just didn't tell anybody. But I also remember a scene in Toy Story 2 where he's like put in with, uh, Woody is put in with the collector and like the glass box yeah. and everything. And it's after the whole scene where he paints them up and everything. Yeah. He puts them in there and his string pulls and goes, um, there's a snake in my boot. And I remember him saying, there's a stick up my butt. But that's not in the movie. There may have been a stick up his butt as a toy. I don't know how that works. There's also a scene in the Napoleon Dynamite trailer that features them seemingly fishing in the Los Angeles River that's never referenced. But at the end, he says, I caught you a delicious bass in the movie when they're playing tetherball and he got it from the LA river. Right. But they never show that scene in the movie. Oh I don't God. know. It looks like the LA river. Like it looked like a yeah. really diminished, like concrete riverbed thing that they were fishing in. So there's a lot of these weird things where it could be, it could be a psyop by the government to make us feel crazier over time by removing scenes from movies, yeah. you know? Also the new Top Gun movie is like, it's a pure propaganda piece. And I love that for America. It's made a billion dollars. <laughs> Tom Cruise is like propaganda. Like I'm here. I'm ready. What do you need? Do you have an Apple box for me to stand on? It'll be perfect. All right, here's the one and one. I'm only doing one and one. Heat, starring Al Pacino, and uh, Life on Mars by David Bowie. A beautiful. Did you know that Al Pacino's character in Heat was supposed to be a coke addict? It made so much more sense when I read about the and deleted they scenes. Cut- all of that out, which is why he is turned up to 11 in every single scene (gasps) for no reason. They're never going to explain I have a problem. I'm a big, big big Al Pacino fan. If you haven't seen the film Jack and Jill, it's a classic. He's in that? The Dunkachino. Al Pacino drinking a Dunkachino. It's incredible. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how else to sum up Al Pacino than Heat and Jack and Jill. Those are the... (laughs) Those are the two films. That is ridiculous. Stupid. Um, I mine would be Rain Dogs by uh, Tom Waits. Oh, that's you're going intense. Yeah, that's my favorite. Tom Waits been in a few movies too. He has. Um, I'm trying to think what I the, honestly the Joker because people don't know that um, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker was based off of Tom Waits interviews. Really, all of his mannerisms and everything. The so way you pick the Dark Knight, not the Joaquin Phoenix. 
I really enjoyed the Joaquin Phoenix one. All right. All right. So um, I know that wasn't everyone's favorite movie. I thought it was a beautiful story about a man who gets everything he wants. If they hadn't have made it a DC movie and just made it about a guy who turns into a psycho and there wasn't the, the previous Joker knowledge, it would have done even better, even though it made a billion dollars. But I am excited to see Lady Gaga joining oh, the yeah, cast as yeah. Joker Arena. Everybody thinks she's going to play Harley Quinn. False Joker Arena. <laughs> I'm the woman Joker, Jokerina. It's going to be lit. That's amazing. Uh, and then I would probably just go for Ferris Bueller's Day Off again. Amen. I love that movie. It's a perfect movie. I really, um, one of the things that I, I probably need to do this before the apocalypse happens, but go to Chicago and do everything that they do over the course of that whole movie. I got to go to that museum and take some pictures and it's number one you're in a museum and you're like this is incredible and then number two you're like oh my god this is where they looked at pictures now do you think ferris bueller's real yeah there's there's a pretty heavy theory that he's not a real person in this film and he's just made up by cameron oh god yeah that basically ferris bueller is the idea of him kind of letting loose and doing things and there's a lot of retconning that has to go into this but Ferris Bueller is sort of like who he wishes to be and the one that finally pushes him over the edge, but he's annoyed by it the whole time because he sees the opportunity of who he could be if he was that Ferris character versus, so, uh, I don't know. You have to get rid of a lot of characters, though. So the principle is just insane. Well, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That guy's a piece of shit now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that Ben Stein? No, no, that's not the principle. He's the teacher. Yeah. Fuck Ben Stein. The, yeah, very bad, bad human being. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, he was even worse. Is that, have you seen Ed Wood? I have. I have. He's in that too. Is he? He's actually really good in it, unfortunately. Yeah, he's like an evil fuck now, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So he's fake too. Don't include him in the future release. But I think he's nuts. Okay. This is our last one. Uh, this is from Freddy Faded. What is your go to pizza place if you have one? Okay. So the only one that comes immediately to mind, and I go with immediately to mind. In Greer, South Carolina, there's a place called Fox's Pizza, and they have a mushroom pizza there, and it is a regular-ass pizza, but it's the best pizza I've ever had, and it's probably because I ate it growing up when I was living in Greer, South Carolina, but Fox Pizza, Fox's Pizza, it's incredible. There's a lot of great pizza. Uh, There's a place by our house, Vinny's Pizza. They do a Sicilian style. It's very thick and good, Uh, but Fox's Pizza is my first and foremost. What about you? Are you a pizza guy? I'm lactose intolerant, oh. so it's a little tricky for me. There is a there's a place in my neighborhood called Plant Based Pizzeria. Oh yeah, and they do the most amazing fake pizza. Their meat lovers is insane. You've told me to go get the meat lovers, and I haven't done it you yet. You should do it. I have to do it's it. It's worth it. Yeah, it see, does not save till the next day though. You can't have cold pizza with it because it's like <laughs> cardboardy by that time. Whatever deal with the devil they worked out to make that tastes so good it didn't you know it turns into a pumpkin over yeah overnight cinderella loses her shoe my partner likes to get veggie pizzas without fake meats and he will put things like broccoli on it and the other day he got a broccoli quesadilla and he was like this isn't a good quesadilla and i was like broccoli doesn't go on everything bro you can't do this so convincing him to just eat the meat pizza even if it's fake meat could be difficult but i might just get it for me you know, there's a ton of stuff though. Like they have like calzones and all kinds of other crazy. Just get him some tomatoes and bread and let him figure it out. You know, he does well. 